Uncle Remus. Who say he get away? Br'er Rabbit always gets away. Don't you be too sure. Ain't I done told you that Br'er Rabbit being little without much strength, he's supposed to use his head instead of his foots. Did he? Sure he did. Now who's telling this here tale? You are. Then you just sit and do the listening. Box Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Wayne and Katya and Hannah. How's it going, guys? I feel like it's a very loaded question. Yeah. 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 As well as we (laughs) can. I don't know how to respond anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is a fun week show, though. This is not one of the series week shows. We had a series show last week. I don't know about that. It's well, totally okay, fun. it can be serious. Okay, it's, it's, not, not, it's not about the world being literally on yes, fire. Yeah, we're not so. talking about people actively world. dying in the street today. Uh, I, I think we'll be a little ser- serious and silly. That's most of our shows. But yeah, you know, so we're gonna we're gonna have some have some good stuff. But before we get into it, I just want to point out because I don't know if anybody else watched it. I expect Hannah did. Did anybody yet watch? You know, the return of sports in the form of marbles. Yeah, <laughs> Marble League's out. You lost me. Oh, Marble League! You don't know about Marble League? <laughs> Marble League is awesome. It is the kind of sport you would enjoy because it's delightfully whimsical and magic. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you really. Well, we'll have to send you to it, it. It, it. It's not people competing with bears, so I'm not interested. No, it's <laughs> it's it's marbles competing with marbles. They race. Yeah. They have long jump competitions. They have balance beam competitions. You know, yeah, marbles. Yeah, yeah like uh, John Oliver <laughs> go like save the league. It's great. <laughs> yeah, they were having it was a, it's it's a YouTube channel that was having financial problems, and John Oliver's like, "We'll give you money. This must continue." And it's amazing. Yeah. And they and there's commentators who take it completely seriously and talk about like the lives of the marbles that are competing. And <laughs> And their training regiments. It's, and it's the so lives good. of the marbles. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It'll be and linked in the show notes because of course it will. <laughs> yeah, like the, the best part of this is that I'm like not even sure if I understand how to process this information. I don't like I don't know if I have an opinion because I don't know. You would love it. You you would love it. Like, <laughs> Next week's show, you're gonna be you're gonna be like, oh my god, I watched Marble League. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you're not watching Marble League this summer. I don't know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, considering like the amount of like weird Twitch channels and other stuff that I watch, like this, this seems about as normal as those. So yeah, but this is like yeah. think of, think of like the joy of Twitch, but with more, but with more competition and less people. <laughs> and and also in the terms of sports, I do enjoy I do enjoy less people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Think about think about like the excitement and thrill of sporting, but no players are getting sick because of COVID and the greed of universities and other leagues. Mm-hmm. Though there was a tragic on this week's Marble League, there was a tragic track accident where one of the marbles was injured. Anyway, anyway, this is not what yes. the show is about. I really wish you guys could just see my face right now because this is one of the few times in my life that my, I literally have my jaws dropped yeah, it, and I can't entirely process it's, information. It's going to be fine until somebody leaves a noose in one of the marbles' lockers. Oh, God. Oh. Damn. 
Oh, it was supposed to be a fine. fun show. Why you just you had to bring to up the this? real life. Oh, okay. God. Um, anyway. Why can't we just let them have marbles? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, maybe That's maybe why we'll we can't have it. nice things, Wayne. Maybe we'll do a show about the marbles, but that is not this week's episode. And we won't invite Wayne. <laughs> oh, now it's a downer. Anyway, today's show is about Disney censorship. And <laughs> you've just said, <laughs> now I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> no. Okay, so today's show, this was weird because. Literally, I had the idea for this show like four weeks ago when I saw an article about Disney Plus. The, the, the heading of the article was Disney Plus censoring cleavage on Wizards of Waverly Place. And I never really watched that show. But my thought was, well, I know Selena Gomez starred on that show when she was like 14 or 15. So I thought probably she was wearing a bikini or something. And they decided she's too sexy for a 15 year old after the fact. I mean, she's like 25 or 30 now or whatever, but they, after the fact decided that, and that's what they did. No, no, they censored the cleavage of the woman who plays her mother. And by cleavage, I don't mean breasts. I mean, literally the line of nothing that is between two breasts <laughs> in a completely work appropriate uh, shirt. And it's like, this is weird. And I thought we should do a show on this. And then literally the next day, George Floyd was murdered. And that kind of, you know, took precedence for our entire schedule for a while. So like this, this one on the back burner. And I'm kind of glad it did because the people who are like Wizards of Waverly Place devotees, um, which is apparently a thing, they, they continued to research it and they found like old original VHS tapes of of when it originally aired and stuff. And apparently it was always censored. It's not just for Disney Plus. And I thought, well, that's weird. And then somebody said, yeah, but it's odd because it's censored in that scene, but not in the scene immediately preceding it. So then I'm like, OK, now I have to watch the episode. And I have, and I don't know anything about this show. So I'm, I'm literally just watching the episode to look at the mom's boobs, which is creepy and weird in and of itself. But, you know, research. And it is weird because... Research is often creepy and weird, surprisingly. Yeah. yeah. I'm making a lot of faces right now. Yeah, but it is weird because she's like, it's not... And again, this is not a sexualized thing. It's not like she's wearing lingerie. It's not, you know, it's literally a woman wearing a completely normal... She could, I don't know what she does for a living in the show because I wasn't paying that much attention, but she could be a banker. It's the kind of top that one would wear to work. And it's censored only for one scene. She's wearing the same top in the scene before and the scene immediately after. And then it's not censored. And I'm like, what the hell is going on so, here? So just since I haven't seen this, the censorship is what? Just blurring out the cleavage? Is just like a yes. blurry spot? Like There is a floating like a, blur like a, like in a front of her chest. Like a, yeah, like a logo on somebody's hat, right? Yes, that's exactly how yeah, it is. Okay. It's a, and, and it's very, very obvious. Once you see it, you're like, that's weird. <laughs> it, it, it's just it's weirdly obvious once you see it. I was going to say, as someone who actually like watched the show, because Did you, my, okay. well, like my, my sister was younger than me. So like it was on the Disney Channel. And so it was mm-hmm. kind of like to her what Lizzie McGuire was to me. That makes sense. The the Russo family, the, the character in question is Teresa Russo, own a like sub shop. Um, anyway, if you guys are wondering, like, they actually do, they know anything about Wizards of Waverly Place. One of us kind of does. It's, I, I actually like spent the, like a weekend in college watching the movie with some of my friends, like my freshman mm-hmm. year. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's fine. But like, yeah. but like, it's, it's like all like shows on the Disney channel. Um, or I guess Disney plus now, because, uh, when you, we originally pitched the show, I said, 
we should just talk about how weird Disney Plus is. Um, mm-hmm. they, like, uh, for example, Disney, I guess they're inheriting things from the Disney Channel. Like, Disney Channel did a sequel series, Boy Meets World. And I grew up with Boy Meets World. And, like, they actually, like, tackled, like, very serious mm-hmm. issues on, uh, Mav, your favorite thing, the very special episode. Um, yes. I've, I've seen Girls, but, I've seen Girl, Me, Girl Meets World a couple times. And, and I thought for what it was, it was very well done. It's actually, it's actually a pretty delightful show. Um, mm-hmm. that I, like from what I've seen, I haven't watched the whole thing, but they never like even like the you know actual like people behind the scenes did complain a bit that Disney did not want to tackle some of the issues that Boy Meets World did, mm-hmm. and the characters never had the chance to like go to college. Um, in the same mm-hmm. way like Corey and Sean and Topanga do. Uh, and then like Disney Plus, um, also like move, first of all moved the um. Love Simon sequel to Hulu uh, is now on Hulu, and that also like by the reviews that I read of the show, which is called Love Victor, said that the storylines aren't like very adult. It's it's pretty simplistic, even if it's well done. They also like have I guess it's just in limbo, partially because of the coronavirus, partially because of creative differences. Part of the reason I asked for Disney Plus was because there's a Lizzie McGuire sequel series coming out, and yeah, Disney was not like. Anymore. Lizzie was like, no, we must change this because there's like an implication that Lizzie's fiance is cheating on her. Um, and, you know, Disney can't refer to sex. Yeah, uh, I know some stuff about that. That There was some news about that this weekend. She is uh, she being um, Hillary Duff, who plays Lizzie, played Lizzie McGuire back in the day, was supposed to return for the sequel and will have a you know producer credit. She is aggressively it's right now. It's not going to happen right now. It's not going to happen on Disney because she can't come to terms with them. And she is aggressively courting the show for Hulu. Right. Um, because the her issue was they it wasn't even just the cheating one. They they wanted this to be in their mind. We're going to reproduce the show that we had done 20 years ago with, a, you know, with a now adult Hillary or Hillary Duff or now adult Lizzie McGuire. And, you know, she'll it'll be quirky and silly. And Hillary Duff want, and in her mind, she was like, let's revisit this character 15, 20 years later and see who she is. And like, so she wanted to deal with the kinds of problems that a 30 year old woman would deal with. And they're like, no, you Wait, should be worried about kissing a boy. It makes more sense. She's like considering yeah. like the nest, like. You know, everyone who grew up with with that show is my age. Right. That's exactly her point. Kids, the people who normally watch like Disney shows won't care. They don't know who Hillary Duff is. It's not like she's been in the, you know, in the public. Well, she's I mean, she's working, but it's not like she's famous like she was when she was 15. And and the people that watch her like actual work right now are people Mm -hmm. our age and older. uh, So Mm -hmm. like late 20s plus because that's the kind of work she's doing like mm-hmm. tv series younger that's like who that's geared toward and then i guess the weirdest censorship of all on disney plus uh involves splash Mav. yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was that was weird <laughs> um i went through and i watched that too and it's it's just bizarre so disney and i, and I, un- I understand where they're coming from like they they want to be completely kid appropriate, or at least that's what they say. So they've gone through and, you know, she's naked a lot in that movie. She's not like raunchily naked, but she plays a mermaid. And unlike in The Little Mermaid, where she's a mermaid and they have 
who wears a seashell bra for no apparent reason. She's just a mermaid and she's naked. And they had they gave her long hair, which mostly falls in front of her chest and her butt most of the time. And they, you know, there's one scene where they she kisses Tom. Uh, Tom Hanks is the male lead. Daryl Hannah's the female lead. And Daryl Hannah kisses Tom Hanks and then runs and jumps in the water. And as she's running away, you you don't see anything, but she's got long hair that's like covering, you know, it's her back. So you don't see there's no frontal nudity in this in the shot at all. It's covering her butt. Her hair is long enough. It comes down to her butt and she jumps in the water and swims away. Well, they felt as though there was too much butt cheek showing. So they've extended her hair with, again, what I will generously call CGI, um, <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, very generous by um, they have badly photoshopped extra hair so that her hair is now wider than her um, than her hips even. And it and and it just sort of bounds away um, at, behind her with the level of graphics that was on your Super Nintendo 20 years ago. <laughs> right. um, it's it's real bad. It's it's like um it's it's real real bad and blocky and, and fake and looking. And draws attention to her butt. Yes. Um and you go why 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 was this done? And now I also watched more of the movie than just that scene. And um, and I pulled, you know, because I have movies. So I pulled the uh, the original copy of Splash, which I have. And they did cut other stuff like there are other scenes where she's nude and they did stuff like um, if you see her breast, they cl- they cropped the shot. So it was just her head. And I'm fine with that. That actually doesn't affect my enjoyment of the film at all. They cut out scenes of nudity that were really, really brief. And it didn't matter or they, you know, there's a point where she's so in this version of a mermaid, when she comes out of the water, she grows legs. She's only got the tail when she's in the water. So she comes out of the water and she's walking up on the beach. And there's a scene where she's walking across the beach naked for two seconds. And instead, they they just focus on just her legs. And that's fine. That works out just fine. And doesn't and you know I'm fine with all all those edits. And then very very the very very odd part is at the very end of the movie, the bad guys are trying to catch her while she's she and Tom Hanks are struggling to get away, and they jump in the water and they're running away, and you know they're struggling and fighting. So you just see her breast for ten seconds because there's just nothing they could do. Like she's you know it's a fight and she's naked, and so sometimes there's boob there, and so it's really inconsistent. And I guess they're trying to just stop kids from seeing nudity at all but because it's so haphazard in this movie why bother doing any of it well the thing that just i guess bothers me about this is that not only are they wildly inconsistent when it comes to splash they're just wildly inconsistent in general about like what they're Mm -hmm. editing whether or not not that i'm trying to give disney plus ideas but Mm -hmm. i watched 10 things i hate about you on disney plus which i'm so happy that's there Mm -hmm. it's worth the entire subscription for me love the movie um (laughs) i have seen versions of that movie on like cable edited Mm -hmm. because uh there's a guidance counselor played by allison janney who spends all of her time writing a romance novel uh so Mm -hmm. there's like a lot of jokes about quivering members and such uh Mm -hmm. at one point uh julia styles you don't really see anything but she flashes her teacher to distract him so heath ledger can escape uh and Mm -hmm. of course there's you know tons of like partying and drinking and talks about sex that disney won't allow on like any of their actual products so it's like, what are you doing, Disney Plus? 
you were very strange. Also, there. So do they uh, allow it in, in that? Yeah, is the film in there it's in its entirety? Yeah, it's huh. it's unedited as far as I can tell. Um, and I'm basing this on the fact that I kind of like worn out my DVD when I was in high school. Um, and I've seen it many times, but like swear words are there, dirty like bad porn writing is there, lashing mm-hmm. is there. I mean, you can't really do anything about the drinking without cutting out like mm-hmm. co- like context for the movie. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's weird. It it seems to have survived um, in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Brand new Marvel movies are there in their entirety and they don't have nudity, but they're swearing, you know, I mean, and, and obviously a lot of violence. And and implied implied or, sex. Or implied sex or like Right. The character of Iron Man exists. Yes. Yes. Um also yeah. they're producing like the Mandalorian, which is not about sex really, but you know, violence. I mean, we always have that mm-hmm. like stupid dichotomy in this country about sex versus violence and what gets an R rating and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is it is weirdly inconsistent. And you know, and I just like even to go back to the Wizards of Waverly Place thing, I don't know. I mean, I uh, on the blog I posted two pictures from that episode, the one where she's blurred out and another like literally two and a half minutes later, she's wearing the same outfit and she's leaning over and you can see down her shirt, not in a bad way. Not like in a, like she, she looks like a 40 year old woman who has on a V neck shirt. <laughs> like that's, that's about how much you see. So my only guess is maybe in the scene where they blurred it, maybe her bra was showing. I mean, I can't tell cause there's a blur there. So I was guessing maybe her bra showed and they were just like, women can't have bras. They're think of the children. I, I, <laughs> that's my. I mean, I can't come up with any other reason I mean, why you would do it. I, I just nothing makes sense. But now I can't unsee it because once they call attention to it, it's just it sticks out so much. When right, I right, you would like you would if, if, even if her bra was showing, you probably would have never have noticed until they put a giant weird patch of blur over right. it, and then you're like, ah, oh, boobs. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how it is. And it's just like I and and the you know and the episode by the way. Um, for the plot of, and again, I don't know, Hannah, you've seen the show. I don't know how sexual the show ever is. And, but this episode is about the parents are fighting. And so the kids are trying to get them to fall back in love by, they have summoned, um, I, I guess a demon fairy spirit baby, uh, that is Cupid. And so the, the plot of the episode nebulously is that they're trying, the kids are, and they never use the term, but they're trying to get their parents to fuck. That's like what it's about. Like they're, they're just like literally like having the, this, this, um, this fairy baby shoot arrows at them and trying to get them to fall back in love. And like, that's the implication is that they want their parents to hook up. So it's already got that message. <laughs> you know to where it's like where, where you're willing to go the extra mile i mean you're willing to go as far as saying hey we're going to make we're going to use love magic which has all kinds of rapey connotations anyway but you're not willing to show a v-neck and it, it's just bizarre <laughs> I, I, have no, I have no idea what to do with it because it's the fact that it's in that one scene just i i don't get it yeah i i mean look the thing I remember most about that show is I discovered there was a corner on the internet where certain fans were very into like the brother sister relationship, and that's that's when I backed out. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, the slash. He doesn't. 
Yeah. This is the stuff I'm much I'm much more concerned about the fan internet when it comes to like <laughs> stuff like creepy stuff that I am on what ends up on Disney. I mean, like Tumblr Tumblr is has it's horrifying corners. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go as far as Tumblr. Uh really, but nope. But um yeah, like anytime anyone says to me that Game of Thrones is special because they like have incest, I just look at all of literature forever and I'm like, yeah, really? right, right. Are you sure? Um, yeah. But I, you know, I, I said this, I think, on our episode about like wh- what, you know, parents should what let their kids watch. And I, again, say I am not a parent, but is sex really the worst thing? Shouldn't we be concerned about, you know, like really negative stereotypes? I mean, in this case, it also, it isn't just, it isn't even just sex. It's literally a woman's breast. And like yeah. the idea that's like, I mean, Ma- like Mav's point to like, we, we are now paying more attention to this, you know, yeah. person's breasts because mm-hmm. they blurted out. It's like, it's, it's not even necessarily about like the act of sex, which it's like, I, you know, I agree. It's like, this is maybe not the biggest concern, like concern I have, mm-hmm. but it's also just deciding that like, I mean, this is an issue that goes to like centrist censorship in schools and like the amount that girls get told you can't wear X, Y, and yes. Z, yes. despite the fact that oftentimes like boys can get away with where it would like get away with wearing things that show similar, you know, areas of the body. Mm-hmm. Like there were guys in my gym class that would walk around shirtless. Mm-hmm. So like the, I, like this entire thing was, uh, yeah, we, we still did yeah. shirts and skins when I was in high school. So do we. Uh, when yeah. I, I mean, like, absolutely. And, and for us, and for us fat kids, that was horrible. <laughs> So like the entire premise that somehow like this woman's like perfectly normal, like fairly conservative yeah. shirt yeah. Mm-hmm. is should be censored. Not oh, even yeah, like, like like they're actually sexualizing something that wasn't explicitly sexual that no one would have noticed. Yeah. I would even challenge the creepy parts of the internet to have made that particular screenshot into something salacious. <laughs> oh right. I was I was thinking more about like Lizzie McGuire, but yes. I remember being no, totally. in, I was, remember being in high school and being told that I could not wear my two-piece swimsuit, even if it was like not a bikini, but like a tan bikini, I guess, and just like covered everything because it was too sexual. I mean, we there's like I mean, there's instances where girl like girls showing like their arms. It's like it's like, mm-hmm. and I think even I mean, in a, like I'm not. I didn't watch a lot of Lizzie McGuire growing up. Haven't been following the new show, so you probably know better than I do. But like, even that also just shies away. I think from just like women in a different way. It's like like in like in you know in one case we're like basically talking about like women's bodies are unacceptable. But another way it's like we're talking about like Disney's basically saying like we're not going to deal with any adult topics whatsoever because they're hard and they might corrupt children's yes. brains. And it's like. At what point, especially because, like, I remember remember Lizzie McGuire being a show that was like it wasn't like a little kid show; it was like a preteen absolutely show. Exactly, it was it was it was your and generation's like, version of Saved by the Bell for us, and and Wizards of Waverly Place for Hannah's right, sister. Yeah, right. And it's like, which in some ways, it's like I actually think that that's a show that should. I mean, the reboot is a different thing because it's like I like to me it makes the most sense to pitch that as adults who grew up with the original Lizzie mm-hmm. McGuire. So that's the side, like the reboot of Gilmore like, Girls, which was not for. 20 somethings it was for 30 somethings because right no exactly (laughs) and it's like but i would i would expect a show for preteens to actually start dealing with adult issues because that is like and maybe not doing them in the same way you would in like media made for adults obviously but it's like and it's not that i and i don't remember that being that unusual i remember watching like that's so raven like would talk about like sexism and racism in like kitty kitty terms Mm -hmm. like admittedly but like it would address stuff like that so it's like the idea that basically we have to protect children from everything on the planet to me is frankly kind of asinine so i wasn't watching lizzie mcguire because i was a little too old but when i was a teenager uh preteen and teenager we had saved by the bell 
And Saved by the Bell famously has the, you know, the drug episode where Jesse is on is on caffeine pills, but really speed because they wouldn't they wouldn't allow them. And, you know, so that's a teenage show or a preteen show, but it's trying to deal with the with with the serious issue. There's a drug issue of family ties back in the day. There always have been those things. And it is weird to try and protect the protection by pretending something's there is weird enough. The protection by erasing it. Um, there, were, there was the episode of Different Strokes where they implied that, that molested. Uh, yeah, the molestation by the Maytag, Maytag man. You know? Yes. Yeah. There um, was the yeah. There was an episode of there was a yeah which which was I mean that was late seventies early eighties and that's yeah, a really yeah. that's a really heavy episode. It's that's a heavy it, episode for that. And it's it's weird. That's you know the very special episode you know, but it's it's real dark because it's it is unequivocally Arnold is sexually molested by or is it Arnold or is it one of the I can't remember which kid it was I think it was Arnold it might have been it might have been it might have been Dudley's yeah well but yeah anyway but the kid is clearly and absolutely molested by an adult not played for laughs played very seriously and it is like yeah this kid just got raped and they dealt with it and then it's a very special episode so it's never mentioned again never mentioned again right which is odd but um you know there's no trauma it's traumatic for that episode there's no laugh track there's no you know it's just a this is it's a this is really bad so if somebody does this to and, you you know tell somebody is the point and, of the episode that, which is great the, that's the one that comes to mind i i seem to remember various sitcoms of that era mm-hmm. doing that kind of episode once a season or something mm-hmm. you know something that that dealt with genuine issues i mean kind of big issues like that drug ab- or if you're blossom like seven times a season today, yeah, right right today you know, on a very special yeah. blossom <laughs> yeah but you know like drug abuse or alcoholism or mm-hmm. or abuse or or whatever i what was the the um oh the show that uh, michael j fox was on family ties family ties they, Tom Hanks was like the drug addicted uncle who showed up once in a while mm-hmm. yeah, kind of thing. Um, and then those episodes would be very special. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, the, the censorship thing, you being things being in this world where we have a million channels and, and stuff being, we've had HBO for 40 years or whatever it is, but the censorship of moving stuff from, from theater movies, theatrical release to TV is nothing new. That was regular. Like the ABC movie of the week in the 1970s always started with, a disclaimer that this film has been modified from its theatrical release mm-hmm. and they would cut out, you know, nipples and swear words and that sort of thing. And the one that comes to mind for me is I remember seeing cabaret, the, the Liza Minnelli cabaret on television and yeah. watching that as an adult. Is I have 20 to minutes imagine, long? Yeah, all, all, apparently all I saw were the musical numbers. Yeah. <laughs> because everything else in that movie is, is, is yeah. Gay people and abortion. Mm-hmm. So just as a story, it had to have been incomprehensible, but it, the TV version, that just had to have been nothing but the musical numbers and that's it. And probably not all of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this, this whole, we must protect the public. And with that, there was FCC stuff of what you get away with on network TV and there are only three channels. And if you wanted your theatrical release to be seen on TV, that was the only option. And then the new HBO happened and all that other stuff. And then suddenly you could see nipples if you wanted to. You know, I was actually talking about this with my mother with, um, and just to see if she could think of any of them. And this is, you know, she said the same thing as you, you know, she remembers the, the TV edits for movies of which, um, you know, are often really, really gratuitously bad dubs mm-hmm. of lines. Uh, my favorite, which yes. is in the, is in an old movie. Um, but it's, um, you know, it was, I mean, it's old now, but it, but if you've ever seen the TV edit of, of snakes on a plane, which <laughs> <laughs> snakes on a plane, it, the, the movie of which 
Samuel Jackson says he only did because he's because he wanted to say the line I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane is yeah in the in the TV Which, edit like fair. Yeah, in the TV edit it is literally I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. What? I Man, no that, no that, one knows what that, that means. Doesn't even make sense. That, that's great. That's great. Why? Well, because FCC wouldn't let them say fuck. Yeah. So I, I know, but why? But why Monday to fr- like? I know. <laughs> I, I don't. There was an entire committee of people who spent a week coming up with the best dub for that. And, uh, oh, guaranteed. And, and, and that that's what they settled on. Um, I don't understand why it's monkey fighting and Monday through Friday. Like, there's no like they couldn't just use the same. You know. Yeah, it, it, it's funnier <laughs> if you say monkey fighting twice. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, in terms of books, like this has been happening for a while. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. Agatha Christie's and then there were none had mm-hmm. a different title originally uh, before it was mm-hmm. reprinted in the U.S. in 1940. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess this this is not the black uh, the the black episode that I did a couple weeks ago. So we'll just say it had the N word in it. It was yeah. It was it was named after a minstrel song. Um, yes, ten little n words is what it used to be called. Yeah. and uh, yeah, it, it and actually Duke Library has a uh, copy that mm-hmm. has the original uh, like language preserved in its archives. So mm-hmm. like they they also changed the text of the song that is a major plot point in the novel to ten little Indians. Um, right, which is what most people know that song as now. By the way, um, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, if the nursery rhyme that you said as a kid, you know, ten little Indians, like. If you that nursery rhyme didn't start out that way, <laughs> the the original lyrics of Yellow Rose of Texas, it's referring mm-hmm. to a quote unquote high yellow woman. Mm-hmm. And there's a line in the original about the clothes those darkies wore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not in later versions of that song. Yeah. So it's kind of weird, though. Like, I, I don't I'm weirdly on the I don't like I, I'm like Katya said, I think there's bigger problems than whether a kid sees a boob. I, yeah. I just. I just. Like, I, I, I mean, also I, by I, virtue of the fact that children exist, they probably have seen a boob. Yeah, it was probably their mothers, I'm, so they yeah. should probably calm down. I'm sure there's an entire subreddit dedicated to the cleavage of Waverly Place. So yeah. Which, oh uh, God, but you know, I, I think Katya's not looking right in that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't want to find that. I, I just uh, assume that if 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 it pops into my head as an option, it probably it, exists. Yeah, exactly. No. So I don't I don't want to go looking for that. But but Katya is re- like originally whenever like you hear about Wizards of Waverly Place or the splash thing and you see how like terribly it's done it it seems rather silly but I, I think Katya is right to point to you know the greater like underlying effects that like this kind of censorship can have um mm-hmm. well because I mean we talk about this all the time it's like media is always I mean in this case like we, we talk about like children's programming is somehow educational even if that's not necessarily designed to be educational programming because like kids learn from media as mm-hmm. all people learn from media mm-hmm. and like which I'm sure is part of what Disney's thought process is and not wanting to show boobs because good Lord, but in not showing boobs, like that doesn't remove the issue. It just means the stance being taken is different. It means like, well, boobs are shameful. I mean, like you, 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 right. you're you saying like, ha- like women's bodies. It's like women's, women's bodies are not mm-hmm. acceptable. And even, I mean, it'd be one thing. It's like, if, if it's a case of like complete nudity, because generally speaking, we don't accept nude people in public, except for in very specific circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea that it's like this middle-aged mom in like this normal 
blouse is like very well, weird. It's, it's like that saying that that's inappropriate. To go back to the Lizzie McGuire is, thing. Same thing, right? Because because right because when she's you know they're not even she's not even trying to. It's not like she's trying to do the porn version of Lizzie McGuire. That's not what she wants. She just wants to do a sitcom where a thirty-something-year-old woman has thirty-something-year-old woman problems instead of you know the, right. like she. I, I think she literally said in the quote, uh, or she, she said something like, "I'm not doing a show about you know you know whether or not I want to kiss this boy. I'm 35. I have two children. You know, <laughs> like she's like, what do you yeah. like? That's not that's not my life anymore. I'm not worried about whether I'm going to get punished for sneaking out. This is like we're just. It doesn't make sense to do the show." of what Lizzie McGuire is if she's just this emotionally stunned adult who's still having the problems from from 20 years ago. So I get right. that. And no one will watch that. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. Yeah. Like who's younger, that for even? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the younger fans who discovered it on Disney plus probably will just watch the original episode because like people do gravitate toward, you know, characters their own age. Uh, right. And the people who are our age will be very angry uh, that it's not good slash, you know, <laughs> ruining childhood. So or just that, won't even like, or just won't even respond right. to it. Like right. it'll just, no one, no one will care. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I mean, and I, and I do wonder, I mean, I know that they're bringing back Saved by the Bell um, and they're, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to try to, uh, you have to update it because if it's the same show, I don't want to watch that show from before. The show from before I've tried to watch as an adult and it's bad because I'm an adult now, <laughs> you know, like, like even, even watching stuff nostalgically, I can laugh at it, but I know that like, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't start watching this, you know. I'm not going to start watching Wizards of Waverly Place now because I'm a grown up and I have no nostalgia for it because I didn't watch it as a kid. You know, it's just like, oh, this is dumb. And and Disney has those shows now that I don't watch because I'm not 12, you know, so I'm thinking um, I, I like my nieces are very into um uh it's um i don't know what it's called the descendants i think it's called um it's uh there's there's shows about about the children you know the teenage children there were some graph, graphic novel adaptations of that that i special order for some people and, and it's, yeah. it's not a show it's it's, it's a, a series of or, movies yeah yeah original yeah um i don't know how like i know that but i don't know beyond that what they if they're worth watching um I've, I, mean, I, I have seen them I, I have seen them when I'm hanging out with my seven-year-old niece and we've sat down and watched them together, you know, because <laughs> she was seven. It was like it was like a seven-year-old's um, and a 12-year-old and, you know, a couple of, you know, 40-somethings because, you know, I was babysitting and it's like, oh, this is what we're watching today. Okay. And it was fine. And I would have found it funny if I were, you know, seven or 12. But the question is, do you, you don't want to cancel this like you want to cancel Paw Patrol? No, it wasn't offensive like Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol was, was you know, see last week's episode. Paw, Paw Patrol is a, is a crime against God. Um, <laughs> this needs to go away. It's so bad. Would you say that Paw Patrol is the worst show on television? Uh, no, no, it's not the worst show on television. I, I've seen far, far worse programming, but it's just like I, I weep for our children if they are subjected <laughs> to this. It was, it was, it was just like it was just. I mean, I, I, it it's more bad. I weep because there are children that enjoy it, and yeah. what does that say about the future? I just, I just assume children are stupid. Um, but, <laughs> but, but see, this is the whole problem. If we're giving them media that teaches them, like <laughs> that teaches them to be annoying, they will grow up to be annoying. If we give them media that teaches them the boot, that like. 
having breasts is shameful and a generation of girls okay. is going to grow up basically so, but, believing that they well, shouldn't have boob. But before we transition away I, from it, then I, I, then I want to ask, I'm going to, I'm going to add some clips of the banana splits from my youth. And oh God. I love banana <laughs> oh, <no>. splits. <laughs> I love banana splits when I was a kid, which probably explains a lot about me, but yeah, but, but oh, moving on. And, um, what's the other one? Um, the drug, oh, the, the, the drugged out one, HR puff, HR and, puff and stuff. And, oh my God. Lidsville like, and the bugaloos yeah. and any one of HR Puff and stuff insane. only exist in order to teach three year olds to do acid in the seventies. Yeah, that's <laughs> there is no other. There's no other explanation. You needed to be stoned in order to like come up with that. It, and, um, but but before we transition away from this too much, I you know what is the alternative? Like I'm pretty sure I saw Splash. Um, Splash came out when it in 1984, and I saw it, and I was ten. And and look at you now. Well, yeah, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, so what's the example? I mean, and, and I mean, yeah, I'm a crazy person, but am I really so bad? Is it just? Is it really because I saw Daryl Hannah's boobs when I was ten? Is that really <laughs> like? <laughs> also, to be fair, the first I'm pretty sure the first time most boys in my one of my classes in middle school saw like full frontal boobs on television was in our high school English class because when we were in Juliet. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And our the the best part was our teacher in an effort to censor it tried to fast forward through <laughs> the like three seconds of boob <laughs> and managed to pause and couldn't get it unpaused because apparently remotes are hard. Oh, oh, oh seriously, seriously, uh, our teacher walked out of the room at the wrong time, and I I it could have been other factors, but a very conservative student did not come back the next year. <laughs> uh, I mean. The thing that I also think about and like I'm not a parent and I'm obviously like my experience growing up was different just because like I, you know, I was a kid right when the Internet was becoming a thing. But like the other thing is also like most of these kids that like are watching a lot of this TV have Facebook accounts. Mm -hmm. They're on the Internet. They're on smartphones. They're on TikTok, which is also a very frightening media Mm -hmm. platform in some ways. Um, the motor Paw Patrol. Mm-hmm. It's Katya's Paw Patrol sometimes. I think you're getting at they have access to actual porn. Right. They have. I, I, I'm much more concerned about what kids see on the. Like, I'd be much more concerned about talking to talking to my children about what sees what what they see on the internet than about what they're going to see on like what they're going to see on any given TV show. Right. Like because that- because like censorship aside, like all of these media companies have a vested interest in not pissing off parents. Sure, if their target audience is children right but like the idea is like i think part of it and i kind of wonder if part of it is like maybe i wasn't paying attention but i don't remember like this like this particular kind of like censorship really seeing it all that much when i was a kid and i wonder if there's like this weird backlash of parents being paranoid about what their kids are being exposed to on a daily basis i think there was can't control what their kids see on the internet therefore they're controlling they're like there's a greater pressure to control what they see on tv i think there was though i think there so I think it was I think it's a different time and there's obviously more media now because there there is an internet and there are literally if you go on TV there are 900 channels being streamed to your television when you know when I was a kid I had 3 you know 4 if you count PBS which by the way is where all the good nudity was um but but like uh, thank you Benny Hill yeah but I also watched like like most of what I watched was like cartoons and like which also like there's I mean there is a especially in 90s kids cartoons there is a tradition of like scantily clad women mm-hmm. hello and nurse lots of large breasts because it's a cartoon and you can do things also Ren and Stimpy was considered a children's cartoon when yeah. I was a kid yeah. and then it showed up on Spike TV 
And I was very confused as a child. Yeah, Animaniacs has Hello Nurse and, you know, and going back. Bugs, right. Bugs Bunny was a horny bastard in like the 50s. <laughs> like, I mean, he really was. There's a, there's a lot of cross-dressing um, mm-hmm. in Bugs Bunny, which like in another medium, like very conservative parents would freak out about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's like a yeah. rabbit. So it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, well, and no, it's, and it's no somehow because it's drawn, it's okay. At all. Really, I mean, well, very sarcastic. But I mean, like, and the thing is, in all honesty, I'm a, you know, when I'm a kid growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, when I was 10 years old, 1984, Splash was not the was not the first time that I'd seen a woman's boobs, even even in a sexual context, like not breastfeeding. Like there was, you know, like if you're if you're an eight year old boy, this is just news for all for all parents out there. If you're an eight, somewhere between eight and 12, your kid has a friend who well now has you know a smartphone with with porn on it but back in the day you had that friend who had porn buried in the woods Wayne yeah. you had that friend right oh, like, yeah, there's yeah. the guy yeah, who knows who knows where the porn yeah, in the woods is yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> woods porn is a thing yeah woods porn's totally a thing <laughs> I guess we just grew up in a different time well you you grew up well, in a time right, where there was the internet the internet yeah, happened yeah there's that, there's that one kid who stole the Playboy from his father and and hid it under a rock up in this hollow. Right. And you, and everybody knew where it was. And and next time you and your friends got on your bikes, you went to the, you went to the woods porn. Right. And, but see, now you don't need that because there's a kid who has a smartphone. Even if you don't let your kid have the smartphone, a kid has a smartphone. So, so basically what I'm getting at is chill out over Daryl Hannah's butt. Like it's, it's fine. (laughs) It's like, again, not a parent, but it seems to me like much more useful to have a conversation with your kids about media rather than trying to pretend that they can't access this stuff. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and because there's there's there even like no matter how much you try and prevent them from like you know but like like you said like they don't have a smartphone maybe you like restrict their internet access like kids will find it yes mm-hmm. and always have mm-hmm. yeah you know right. I, I i guess like i thinking about this conversation a lot um which i guess like might be a transition into other things the other like, half yeah like like gone with the wind but like mm-hmm. i've been thinking about you know what is good and bad teaching even just like what is good and bad parenting in the abstract because i don't know um but you know my my parents i think i said on the parent episode did my mother did not let me watch disney's pocahontas when it originally came out and the reason why she did that is not because she hated Disney or Pocahontas, but because the storyline tells a romance between Pocahontas and John Smith, which she thought was historically inaccurate and thought perpetuated some harms and like racist myths about the founding of this country and the relationship mm-hmm. between colonial settlers and Native Americans. So instead, she bought me a bunch of history books and made me learn about the real story of Pocahontas and how mm-hmm. she had to change her name, was ripped away from her family. And you know what? It's really hard to enjoy the Disney movie, uh, and especially its sequel, after you know the actual story behind, like Pocahontas. Is it, well, um, see, and is it no? I mean, so I'm, I'm curious. Is it for you? Because for me, and this is going to transition. This is definitely transitioning into our into the other half of our topic. For me, it's not. And it's it's so I'm the uh, just for cultural context of when I when I grew up, I was born in 1974, um, which means that I watched Roots for the first time when I was two years old because Roots came out and my mother was like, we're watching this. And so Roots is a miniseries for those who don't know, uh, which is um, basically a very real look at slavery in the United States. And it was 
probably one of the most important things ever put on television. Certainly the most important thing put on television up until that point. And it changed like media in this country in a lot of ways. And my mom was like, well, I'm not missing this. And she lived with a two year old because that's how old I was. And and so she was like, I guess you're going to watch this with me. And we would watch it and we'd have very serious conversations about slavery every night for a week and a half while while Roots was on. Um, And that was my introduction to slavery as a kid. So to me, I was able to I mean, I'm a weird kid as well. You know, um, I'm the kid who grew up to be me. But um, but like we had these real conversations about slavery and yet and I've said this on the show before because we're going to start talking about Gone with the Wind. I actually do like the movie Gone with the Wind, despite knowing all of its problems. So I can enjoy it, even though and I like Pocahontas, despite knowing it is nothing like what the real story of Pocahontas actually is. But I think that I think that I don't personally think that you can't enjoy something if you if you are aware of the cultural context. I think it, I think if anything, it improves your enjoyment of it for me, at least. Yeah, Mav, I, I, I agree to a large extent. I think the issue and I think and so for context, Hannah and I were both in TAing together in a film class in which Gone with the Wind was taught. And I think for me and I've only ever seen Gone with the Wind or segments of it in some kind of educational context. It's never something I've like was exposed to or sought out, sought out like outside of that. Mm-hmm. So I think my, my issue with Gone with the Wind and kind of where it's in this conversation is that when it's presented in an educational context, it very rarely, I think, is contextualized as, at least in my experience, it's never been contextualized as anything other than a like extremely historic and like a historically important film. Mm-hmm. No one really talks about the racial implications. No one talks about like the ways that the imagery has been cop- like used by white supremacist, like white supremacist group, white supremacist groups, etc. Hmm. And so th- basically, like this was a film studies class. Yes. Okay. This was a f- yes. I and it was an introduction. It was an introduction to film studies class, probably based off of the students that I encountered. Like like many humanities court, like introduction to humanities electives, it is probably the only time they will ever study film ever. Mm-hmm. Right, this is non-majors, non-majors, a lot of them. A lot of non-majors. Exactly. Um, And I think that's where teaching these films, because to me that there's a, there's a difference between these films existing and being uncensored and being incorporated into educational Mm -hmm. curriculum. We should point out, we should point out the HBO thing before we go too farther down the, down the, um, so for listeners who either didn't see it in the news when it was in the news the last couple of weeks or are listening to this at some point. In the distant future, three weeks ago now, as you listen to this or more HBO Max in the which is a streaming service in the midst of all of the BLM protests decided, you know, well, they were and they didn't just decide they were pressured to by by some media groups. They removed Gone with the Wind from the streaming service and conservative media had a shitstorm over this. Oh, you're trying to erase the past. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, the White House press secretary, devoted like a good six or seven minutes of complaining about it during one of her press conferences. Oh, the liberals are trying to erase the past and everything. And HBO said, we're not removing the movie. We are taking it down from our streaming service. A streaming service, by the way, which is not doing that well. I have HBO Max. I like it a lot, but I'm a movie nerd. Um, they haven't had the greatest sign-up um, signups in the world. Um, they removed it and they said, we're going to bring this back once we've had time to film something 
that gives some cultural context to it. And yeah. people complained. It was gone for two fucking weeks. And let me tell you something. All right. Again, I like Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, ignoring commercials, is three hours and 48 minutes long. Nobody watches fucking Gone with the Wind, okay? I'm a weird person. Like, all the people who are complaining about they're trying to reverse this history, you're not watching Gone with the Wind. You just aren't. Like, it's not, you know, they can tell. They know what the streaming numbers are. You weren't, you weren't looking for it anyway. You're only complaining because it went away. And by it went away, it came back with because i watched it last night it came back with an intro segment by a uh by a woman who is a a black um a black film history professor and one of the hosts on turner classic movies which uh, which at&t also owns and she gives cultural context to it and it airs before you watch the movie it's three minutes and 16 seconds of just giving cultural context. And it's actually really, really well done. I don't know well if we done. can handle three minutes and, fi- and 16 seconds yes. of education. See, see, I remember growing up. I don't know with, if we can do that. I, I remember it's Masterpiece Theater. Up, yeah, yeah, exactly. Here in Pittsburgh, we, we had Masterpiece Theater and Reed Cordick would come on and introduce movies and give you historical context for them before you watch them. For Spartacus. It's for Spartacus. Exactly, yes, exactly. It's exactly yeah. that. It's exactly that. It's very well done. And she talks about both the good and the bad about it. She talks about the innovations in filmmaking. She talks about the controversy surrounding Hattie McDaniels winning her Oscar and having to sit alone because the Oscars were segregated. She talks about it and she and it's a very brief introduction. And she says, I encourage you to watch this film and then talk about the historical inaccuracies and do research. Here are some resources. And I think that's which is great. For yeah. me, that makes movies better. Yeah, I, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> but I, I mean, for, well, whatever. It, it's also like, and that's the stuff that, like, what I was talking earlier about, like, when when Hannah and I were in that class, that is the kind of stuff that really didn't appear in that class. There were some oblique references to it. Mm-hmm. And it showed in student papers. Like, I have never seen, I mean, Hannah, I mean, I don't know about the ones you saw, but, like, students were were asked to basically write, like, short reflection papers, and it usually is just, like, students' response to the film, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, most teachers in the, uh, most teachers uh, that are listening probably are familiar with the format here. Mm-hmm. And probably, like, I had never gotten a batch of papers on any other film or assignment where basically it was just, like, a string of, Let's go with problematic racial assumptions and interpretations of the film because they weren't taught how to respond to this film. And a bunch of 18 year olds in what, like what, two years ago, three years ago. So this would have been like 2017 have no idea how to respond to this film. And you know, I, I think that like, just as a side note, I, I, I think that actually a lot of people don't understand about academia and education in general, that even in the humanities where talking about race, gender, class, is like extremely common. Even the professors are not necessarily taught how to handle these issues in the classroom and how to like right. contextualize things. Um, one, two, uh, by the way, uh, I Especially always have of, angst like, about generation. everything I ever enjoy. Um, so, because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I am, I am, I am, You're a Victorian I guess, scholar. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like the thing, I mean, yes, yeah. obviously, yes. But like, I, who, I, every book you, re- you read was written by someone who probably beat their wife. That's just how it is. Well, I wouldn't it's true. say that. <laughs> No, well, I mean, like, I mean, like, obviously, Charles Dickens literally tried to send his wife to an asylum. Yeah, so he didn't has committed. Else. Yeah, that's what I was but, gonna say. Yeah, like, that's. I mean, and like, even like people who are like 
were like people like Olive Schreiner, who are like tried to do like some anti-racism where feminists also had their problems. Yes. Um, actually, uh, for like not to sidetrack this into a Victorian conversation, but there's actually a really good essay by Carolyn Bedinsky um, in Victorian literature and culture called Casual Racism in Victorian Literature, kind of reflecting on how there's just casual racism that permeates Victorian literature, uh, both like very specifically and also just in the background, because as I have said, like a billion times on this show, it was like the age of like the British Empire in and and therefore, you know, that kind of contextualized everything. And she like thinks about how like faculty um, and students can, you know, kind of look at that racism and think more deeply about what's taken for granted in our current moment. Because I, I think that part of the reason why I have angst about things that I like to watch in a very like sometimes I know annoying uh, like moral philosopher way the good place um is that like there there it's just you know like there there there's so many like competing factors like i really like like i think the princess and the frog as a movie is a well made movie does it have like extreme problems in romanticizing the jazz age um and focusing on like a black character while briefly referring to like jim crow but not going into jim crow and like making <laughs> like the like white like rich people who like underemployed Tiana the main character's mother like also like quote good people like I mean like it's it's, com- it's, it's all very complicated like you know Pocahontas mm-hmm. is complicated Gone with the Wind is complicated which is I yeah I, I mean part of the reason why I hate Gone with the Wind which you can hear more about on the good things we hate episode is because so like there is a lack of context so if people see the south through the lens of Gone with the Wind they all want their stupid plantation ways again don't get married on plantation and like try and romanticize <laughs> the south in the same way that like we romanticize like the austin country house and we like just push away all the bad stuff and Mm -hmm. bad stuff is to put it just so so lightly you know death camps and i mean i think this this might actually be the first episode where she solves something because i think basically the answer is just talk about your bloody media yeah well you know because like i mean for like both the topics we've talked about like the answer is not like getting rid of this stuff it's like mm-hmm. i mean i think so many people like we're t- we i guess we like both of you at this point and i would include myself in this have referenced that we are unusual watchers of media and like Wayne you know definitely as well it's like because we think critically about the media that we consume mm-hmm. and like having taught you know having taught cultural studies for a long time and i'm sure other folks have that similar experience like a lot of students come to my classroom for the first time especially cuz i teach like pop culture and not books that are commonly taught in, you know, their high school English class, they look at me like, wow, there's actually so much more to like movies, television, you know, the books Mm -hmm. you read for fun. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, there is. And you should maybe think about it because of all of these things. And it's like, there is no such thing as a perfectly unflawed piece of media. It's not possible because Mm -hmm. there aren't perfectly unflawed humans. It would be boring. It's like you just, like uh, it would be boring. Unflawed media would mean that, okay, if there's no flaws, then there's no conflict. And why am I reading this story? What, what is the story? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, fun animation. Like I, at that point in my life, I knew nothing about. Did you like it? Do you remember? At, at the time, yeah, I did. You know, How old were you? I, I probably six or seven. Okay, 
I watched Song of the South again last night. Um, yeah, Song of the South. Good luck finding it. Um, again, I'm a media scholar, so I have gone to deep, dark corners of the, you know of the world <laughs> and the dark web, and I have a copy of Song of the South that I, that I that I keep for posterity, and I you know and research, and I watched it again, and it's it's weird because um, I, I I don't know I, like the people who are against Song of the South because Disney is has done such a good job of erasing it. Yeah. I think people know that it's racist, but they don't know anything about what it's about. So they don't know what they're really complaining about. So no one really watches it. Like no one watches it and no one knows why they're upset. Even people just know that they're supposed to be upset about it. And what's interesting about, so for one thing, people think that Song of the South is, you know, it's an antebellum pro-slavery narrative. It's not. It's a reconstruction narrative. It takes place after slavery. It's, you know, Victorian America, you know, it's like 18, it's like 1880s-ish. And it's, and definitely the, the black people are not slaves. They are sharecroppers explicitly. It's never said, but that's a very different cultural context. And what the movie's actually about is it's actually extremely progressive and it's about how wise this former slave is, but like it's completely missed. And, and, and that's some of my, and that's on my, my memory of it. And I say, once again, you know, I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and by and the I, way, by the way, watching it in 2020, it is an extremely problematic view of re- like it, it. It does come across as extremely racist and like sort of, oh, black people are stupid, except that he's also wise, you know, and, and, and everybody is well, very happy to be a sharecropper. There's, <laughs> there's there, I'm sure there's the magical Negro thing going on with him. Too, so it, is literally, it is literally a story about a magical Negro. Yeah. And, I mean, most of my memories of it are the yeah. animated features, which yes. you know, I, I now know are you know, Southern tales that you, the Uncle Remus uh, stories. But they most of them had their origin in in African folklore. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, certainly as a kid, I had no idea of any of that sort of thing. So yeah. it, it was that adaptation of that stuff or, you know, appropriation, however you want to look it's at It's entirely that. appropriation. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. real problem. But I mean, it's something nobody wants to talk about and nobody can because Disney has absolutely erased it. I think Song of the South would. Be, and by the way, I don't think kids in 2020 would like it. The kids who right. like Paw Patrol are not going to watch this movie. It's real slow and real stupid to a to a 21st century child. Like they're going to think this is bad. And so, so I don't, yeah. So like, I don't like, I think, I think it's worth looking at and saying, okay, what are they trying to do here? You know, it's trying to be very progressive about race relations, but it was being progressive about race relations. What? 60 years ago or whenever it came out, I should look up the the year. It It came out in 46, 46. So almost 70 years ago. And it's, or over 70 years ago. I can't do math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like a 70 year old movie that's trying to be progressive. So it, it's very progressive for 1946 and not at all for 2020. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, it's weird. And yeah, I think well, that's and, a conversation we, worth having. Yeah. And we've had that conversation about comics and different stuff, stuff that is progressive for its time and doesn't hold up real well now. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, go ahead, Wayne. Go ahead. No, I, no, I, I was just going to jump back to the roots thing. I watched oh. that as a, a mid teen. I was in high school when that came out. And, you know, growing up in my all white rural neighborhood, neighborhood holler, uh, <laughs> there were neighbors a mile or so away. Um, that was, that was an important narrative for me to experience. Uh, I, that's possibly the first hardback book I ever purchased. 
because you know, the, the movie series moved me enough that I wanted to read the original. And see, that was that was an important narrative for me specifically, given where I was from, to to experience because it gave me a different perspective on all of that stuff than I'd had prior to that, based on prior media, Song of the South, etc. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I learned song. I, I I didn't I didn't learn about I, I I learned about Song of the South and Gone with the Wind in a media studies class in my senior year of college. Um, we didn't watch Song of the South besides, you know, the, the clips that are that, I, that were still played for when when I was a kid, um, like the Disney like sing-alongs, like Zipty Doodah was, was included in that video. And I was like, where is this from? I've never seen this. And that's because Disney like hid its, you know, quote unquote shame in a bolt, um, walked away. Um, mm-hmm. And like, you know, the, the professor, it's actually the exact opposite of what happened in the class Kati and I TA'd for because the professor like told us uh, like a lot of time laying out the culture of old Hollywood segregated it was how like there were only like very for the most part there were very specific roles that black actors could play uh you know people like Hedda Hopper who you know was a gossip columnist spent a lot of time and energy in to kind of perpetuating the racism of the Hollywood system like you know we like we and we talked about you know the negative stereotypes of and like the you know kind of catch like um Hattie McDaniel was in and so that like you know that put these kinds of movies into context for me and we talked about in an educational setting and we also have talked about like uh you know like warnings um about you know cultural insensitivity by Disney Plus in um another episode though I again say it that's the most wishy-washy like warning label on things like <laughs> the Bull I have ever seen it's not even saying like this yeah. was real bad it's like saying well you might be offended by this yes. probably um may, and, may contain may contain co- out, yeah. out, outdated cultural depictions may no it does yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dumbo has it too and you know I I yeah and I you know think Song of the South is interesting because like there are so so many um, things that carry that warning that even like recent things that we've mentioned that like Disney has not been super great on or, you know, other studios. It's not just Disney, mm-hmm. clearly. Um, but they they like have kind of like half erased uh, Song of the South. And part of that is uh, they are replacing uh, Splash the, the Splash Mountain ride with a Princess Tiana ride, um, <laughs> which like... I think that is just the street like this. There's so many politics wrapped up into like that very specific replacement. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, you mean we're going to we're going to go to the other black movie, which is Princess of the Frog. Again, Princess of the Frog is a wonderful movie. It is the first time Disney has acknowledged the possibility of there being a black princess and good for them. And it's 2020 now. By 2040, people are going to look at that movie and go, this is racist as fuck. (laughs) Before the movie even came out, people were like, maybe you should not. In terms of like, like name choice. Uh, I, I think occupation just there was a, I mean even the way Tiana is portrayed in the original film and the way she's portrayed in like Wreck-It Ralph um, 2 in terms of like her hair um, mm-hmm. specifically it, it like it's already changed um, mm-hmm. like yeah so I just okay uh, Disney I, like it's, it's like it's, it's just like they're they're erased like I mean like the, it's this has always been the case with song, like most of the history of songs they're like trying to sort of just erase this like blip in their history and like yeah and uh i think that actually they're i mean they're not the only ones i i've 
been sending Mav, I think, for like two weeks straight, like uh, since we were doing this episode, any like mention of like censorship until like 30 Rock mm-hmm. and The Office and Scrubs. And scr- scrubs and 30 Rock, Scrubs and um, Community. They've all removed blackface episodes from their streaming and syndication packages in the last week as we tape this. And, which is, uh, and, and South Park has removed the Muhammad episodes from their streaming packages. Um, and this is real weird. Well, South Park is at, le- at least, you know, not serialized. It's just completely episodic. But like Community and and Scrubs and like those and 30 Rock, those shows are very serialized. And it's just going to be kind of weird when there's just, you know, there's just five episodes missing from it now. Uh, I mean, like, uh, and so I, I saw actually on Twitter a lot of people saying, you know, actually, I don't want them to remove these because I think that insert creator like creator like Tina Fey. Like, I mm-hmm. think their shame should stand. Um, I also saw, like, someone say that, like, you know, removing these episodes, like removing Song of the South, allows people to, like, and I'm so sorry that I didn't catch who said this, um, that allows people to, like, fetishize, like, these, like, Show. these shows and these movies that, you mm-hmm. know, they can't access them because, you know, you have to go through some very weird channels to find Song of the South. Um, oh, yeah. Or, like, VHS. Yeah, you do. And 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 I'm, I mean, that's that's where I'm at. I understand the problematic nature of, of blackface. Obviously, we talked about this again on the black episode, the black friend is, t- is tired episode. But here's where and I'm not I'm not all black people. So uh, people's opinions are going to vary here. I I have a hard time saying like because I've seen people say the thing that Hannah just said, which was there's been a lot of, well, no, Tina Fey's shame should stand. And I think that's the problem because there it's been presented to her to white creators as though you did something wrong you should be very ashamed of it and you know i she did something it's a thing that she did it's a thing she was trying and yeah she probably shouldn't be making more blackface sitcoms in 2020 and probably it wasn't the best idea to do in 2008 or whatever it was but it happened and I think erasing it in order to be okay is not the right solution. Talking about it is the right solution. I also think that um, I also think that there's a little bit of absolutism on the liberal side, you know, my side, which I think is kind of unfair because, you know, people like to say cancel culture is not a thing. Well, it is and it isn't. But I've, I've heard people say stuff like there's no reason to ever do blackface ever. And Robert Downey Jr. should be ashamed of Tropic Thunder. And I say no on that one. Tropic Thunder is a movie about the ridiculousness of trying to do blackface. And like maybe that was too subtle for some people. Maybe Fight Club's too subtle for some people. But they were aware of what they were doing. And it's supposed to be a bad idea in the movie. And I think that matters because I think that you at least need to have that conversation. Uh, There's an an episode of Mad Men where they Mm -hmm. some of the the older ad execs perform a minstrel show because they always have. And you, this is 19, this is 1960 in the show or whatever. And it's well handled because they, they point out within the context of how that show is pointing out the differences between that time and this time. Right. And people then being uncomfortable with it. (laughs) Yes. I got to it. And and here's, and here's why I think it's important. Uh, I think it's very important because here's the alternate way people miss stuff stuff like this when in our sort of bubbled off social media world, I got into an argument with, um, this is actually still the same kind of censorship. 
Got into an argument with a guy earlier this week. I won't mention his name. Doesn't matter. Um, but he was complaining about the uh, as we tape this. This is also the same week that um, that they've decided to discontinue the brand of Aunt Jemima because Aunt Jemima, for people who don't know, is based on a um, a racist minstrel song that they named their syrup brand after. And if you're going to write in and say, no, but she was the first black millionaire. No, do some more Googling. She wasn't. Nancy Green was not the first black millionaire. Nancy Green was a former slave that they hired to play a character based on based on racism. Um, and but her family wants to keep wants to keep around. No, that's the third Aunt Jemima, because all black people were interchangeable. So when Nancy Green just d- died, they just replaced her with another random black woman. This person said, well, but it makes sense because Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben are in period appropriate clothing for their times. And there and it was acceptable. I was like, no, Aunt Jemima syrup start, started in 1889, 20 uh, something years after slavery had ended. And and it was it was racist then. And I told and Uncle Ben started in 1946, 80 years after slavery had ended and was dressed like a slave. So, no, it, it, it's not what you think. Um, this was not period appropriate. And I pointed out people have been because he's he and he said, well, it's just liberal nonsense because, you know, it's just because of these riots and stuff. That's the only reason anybody cares. And I was like, people have been protesting Aunt Jemima since she's existed. And his answer was, well, I've never heard anybody protest it before. And I'm like, that's the problem. You've never heard anybody protest it before. That doesn't mean it's not happening. He's like, I, and then he's like, well, I did a Google search. I can't find anything. I'm like, I, this, to me, this just makes you sound stupid. <laughs> you know, like if you've done a Google mm-hmm. search, like search harder because yeah, if you can't find out that people have problem have had problems with a mammy character before last week, then, <laughs> then either your Google is broken or you're, you didn't try very hard, but like if you erase or your Google is heavily white. Yeah. It, I mean, and this is, a, yeah. at some point we need an episode on how algorithms. Yeah. It's true too. Bias, but. but he's not, but he, but he's, but, but I do believe him when he said, well, I've never heard anybody protest Aunt Jemima before. Yeah. You very well might not have. And that's kind of a problem. And I think that like, so I think that if you have conversations about, and it's hard because I can't force people to have a conversation every time they watch a piece of media. And there are going to be people who watch, you know, there's good people who, who they're going to be people who watch all in the family and just think it's hilarious that Archie is so racist because racist because being racist is funny. And, you know, those people are idiots. But all in the family was an important show because it was a show about how Archie is always wrong. <laughs> like that. I mean, at least his attitude is like now Archie is what was great about all in the family is Archie is still a loving father. He's a good family man. He's just racist and misogynist because people are complex. And that's what made that show interesting. And I think that like just kind of saying, oh, well, we shouldn't watch this anymore is, I think, hard and problematic and sort of, um, you know, gets like people. We talked about Heidi McDaniel in Gone with the Wind. She's the first person of color, period, to win an Oscar. And that matters. And she won it for playing a slave because that was the role available to to her. And at the time, black people were super proud of her. They also soon afterwards said, well, how come she keeps playing these slaves again? Because she's she's playing essentially the same character in Song of the South that she played in Gone with the Wind because they wouldn't give her any other roles for the next 10 years other than playing a mammy. Like, that's what she got. And so I think that having those discussions is important. And I don't know that we can I don't know how to force people to have them other than to make the media available and have people like us just scream about it. Well, let's talk about this all the time. 
you know. Yeah, I, I think that the thing that we can't resolve is, I mean, I, I've, I, I think that like if you, you watch media in a vacuum and you don't think very deeply about what you're watching or reading or listening to, it can reinforce your worldview in negative ways you might not necessarily even want, but it happens. But the question mm-hmm. is, how do you how do you not watch things in a vacuum? And how do you get how do you train people to not watch things in a vacuum? And how do you, you know, do it in a way that doesn't perpetuate harm? If someone would give me a job teaching and then force everybody to take my class, that would be. <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, that's the answer. That's the thing is, it's like it, it's the right. Like the people that I know in my in my life, either who've been to college or not, are people whom on the one either went to college and this was part of their curriculum, mm-hmm. i.e. I think most of the people on this podcast uh, or their people, you know, especially like people, the people in my extended family, like some of whom never graduated high school or people for whom like this was a normal like practice in their family. Like you would watch a movie and you'd sit around like drinking tea and, you know, mm-hmm. eating cookies and just like talk about the movie for another two hours because yeah. what else are you going to do? And like, and I think that that's the two things. It's like you either learn it from people around you mm-hmm. or like, or you have to learn it from an education system. And like, I mean, as much as I joke about the weird like boob thing from my high school, like thinking critically about media was actually, I mean, I had a, I had a couple of teachers throughout, throughout my education that like, you know, were pretty, uh, let's go with intense <laughs> about making you think critically about media. Like I was, I was introduced to reading like Holocaust narratives when I was in the third grade. Mm-hmm. And I still remember that as one of the more like, and people, and I think, and a lot of teachers pushed back against that of like, why are you having, there's a book called Kinderlager, mm-hmm. which is about the like, children's concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And we read those in like, mm-hmm. like third and fourth grade. And the teacher got into a lot of heat from it for, from parents. Mm-hmm. And, but I still remember that as like one of the most formative parts of my education because it's like, an, it, not only because we were, we were learning about something very important, but also because it was one of the few times in my elementary education that a teacher took us seriously as somebody who could actually think. Mm-hmm. I think we read Eli Weissel's Night in like fourth grade. Right. And I think there are like so many other I think so often in like my primary education, and I'm sure I'm not unique in this because of the way that American education systems are heavily codified and teachers have a lot of limitations on what they can and cannot teach, i.e. censorship, whether it's, you know, under that rubric or not, Mm -hmm. like teachers ability to actually treat you like a thinking person is really limited. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's a big problem because it's like if you're not going to have if you're not going to teach you know, from children on up, like how to have conversation, like civil and like intellectual conversation about difficult subjects. It's like you're never going to learn it because by the time you get to college, I mean, in my experience, most of the students who aren't habituated to that probably won't be mm-hmm. because your brain's they're not, cooked by they're not into, right. They're not socialized and intellectually equipped for it. Well, on that jury note, <laughs> I, I told you this was going to be a fun episode. Well, I, 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 talking about blurry boobs. That's yeah, yeah. comparatively. I, hey, this coronavirus happened. It's probably it's blurry boobs are like pr- pretty. That's pretty on the levity scale. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, I, I do think I, I think Kathy is right. We sort of resolve something, which yeah. is watch stuff and talk about it. I. I think um again the talk- Fox podcast. Uh, yeah, a little oh little, little bit little bit of critical thinking, a little bit of conversation with other people doing critical thinking. Well, so is my I mean, is my family that weird? Because I don't think I don't think I I don't think we are, right? Like again, I watched Roots with my mom when I was when I was little, when I was two. 
but like things that were that you probably commonly consider racist. My mother, again, talking to her about last night when I was telling her that we we're going to do the show today, she said, oh, you should talk about Little Rascals. My mom's a huge Little Rascals fan, our gang. And going back as early as like the 70s, they removed the Yum Yum Eat 'em Up episode from from the syndication package of Little Rascals. And my mother spent years tracking it down. And it's I think it's actually called the Borneo Kid or the kid from Borneo. But it's basically they meet an African native who is a massively horrible stereotype of of what uh, of what a you know of what a savage is and that's why it was removed so this is the 70s it was removed and but like they just felt this is too offensive to put on a children's program and so people sort of forget about it and you end up with people who don't who think racism just just ended one day in 1955 when Martin Luther King had a dream like people just think that was the end of it because we've removed all the relics of it to or I mean bad enough they weren't noticing at the time my grandfather was a big fan of Amos and Andy which I think Katya you um, when, when, when you and I met we we met in a class about classic television where I talked about that and it's sort of you know it's sort of weird because you know I'm a black guy and you're like, oh, this is supposed to be racist. But you have to understand when Amos and Andy was actually on television, Ebony and Jet magazine used to like run a feature in their magazine of tune into these channels. This is where all the black people are on this week because there were so black. There were so few black outlets on television that Amos Andy, this show based on a minstrel concept that they it was based on a. The original radio show was white people portraying black people. When they brought it to television, the people who owned the show had the intelligence to go, no, we're not doing blackface for this. We're going to hire actual black guys to play these characters. And they are buffoons in a lot of ways, but it was the outlet for black people on television. So to my grandfather, this was just nostalgia. Just this is racist. Yeah. And it's important. Tons of tons of of Warner Brothers cartoons. Mm hmm. Same kind of thing that yeah, I remember seeing a couple of them when I was young, but then they disappeared. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that erasing of the sins of the past doesn't necessarily help the future. So you just have to, have, you have to find a way to talk about it, which, you know, everyone subscribe to Vox Podcast. And, <laughs> I do just and, and, and we'll talk about it for you. <laughs> well, I, but I mean, we I mean, not that we're the only show. I mean, I, right, I, I, right. I like our show, but there are places like yeah. our show does this. Our friends at protagonists do this. Right. Uh, like we this is a thing that that it's what the humanities are for. Like like Hannah said, it's, you know, having these conversations, these complicated conversations, rather than just let's let's like close our eyes and stick our fingers in our ears. I think it's important. Yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, we should end the show. So, yep. uh, so we resolve. So we resolve nothing. The end. Yeah, or something. I don't know. <laughs> or something. Uh, Disney did resolve that there's going to only be one F word in, in Hamilton. Their product, like their in Hamilton. But Lin Manuel Miranda said, "That's fine. Your kids yes. already know the words." So. Yeah, he actually said, That's, "Just play the." Yep. He actually said something like, "Turn the sound down and then just play the album and like along with it, it'd be fine." So, <laughs> uh, then, yeah, Hannah, then album sales will go up. Be great. Yeah, where can people find you? 
Yes. Uh, really just here, but I guess you can follow me on Twitter at Hanley Rogers. Still not tweeting. Still don't care. <laughs> <Good concept. laughs> Uh, you can find me on Instagram at just that nurse nerd kid. Uh, haven't been posting a lot because in quarantine, there's nothing to do. So you moved across country. That's doing something. That's true. That's true. I did. I did. I have been learning the local flavors of ice cream that are available and um, where to get good ramen. So that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and Wayne. Uh, I, I'm still doing photography stuff on my, my Instagram, so I'll, I'll pipe that up this time. Uh, it's T-E-T-R-O-C 2017. Petrock 2017. You want to see the random pictures I'm taking while out walking. <laughs> and you can follow you can follow me on Twitter. Mostly I'm yelling at Trump a lot. That's just been like he says stupid stuff and I yell back at him. It's amusing. Um, gets me through the day. Um, you can also follow my blog at www.chrismaverick.com. You can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places at Vox Popcast. You can also follow the show now on YouTube. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We need more subscribers. There's very few people there. Um, right now, I'm putting all the new shows up as they air or usually the day after they, they show up as, a, as an audio podcast. They show up on the YouTube feed. And then a couple times a week after that, I put up an old show and sort of working our way back through our back catalog. And they're neat because depending on what we're talking about, it might just be just the audio. But sometimes when we're talking about video clips, I go there and I sort of insert little bits so that you can see what we're talking about while while you're listening. So go through, subscribe to that, like and subscribe and make us popular because, you know, two of us are still unemployed and we want to be monetized. <laughs> that, that, that's why. <laughs> um, no, it's um, but it's in, it's it, 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 it does really help. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, leave us a five-star review, especially on iTunes. That helps other people find the show. Um, especially if you don't just rate us five stars, but you write a little blurb about why you enjoy the show. That gooses the algorithm, moves us up the charts, makes us more popular. And again, we want to be monetized. <laughs> it's what we want. So we, we have like 982 followers to go. So oh, we're doing it. Tell me I'm poor. I, I, I'm, I'm pulling it. I'm pulling in the number out. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm it's sure pretty it's close. Far less than that. By, Not uh, much. No. By two, <laughs> nine, 970 something. The YouTube channel okay, is very right. new. The, the, the YouTube channel is very new. So, but yes, that would definitely help us out, help us out. I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening and apologize to you for not talking about whether or not Greedo shot first, because, you know, really, we we just it wasn't worth it. Star, uh, Star Wars is its own episode. It's its own episode. <laughs> uh, but thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Enough is enough. Open some freaking windows.